morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, a weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome back to the Coaching Staff, episode number 61. And this week, my friend, my confidant, in some days he might even be my hero, Tony Viss, and I will be talking about designing and executing a great practice. Mr. Viss, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing all right. We are, I think, 70 degrees and didn't have school today, so I don't know if I can do a whole lot better. How about yourself now that you've hit a new decade? Uh, yes, a new decade. Uh, officially into uh, my fifth decade here of, 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 well, sixth, actually, you know, zero to nine and then one, yeah. you know, that type of so So this will be decade number six. Um, so a couple things. Number one, uh, I went to go see Dr. Kevin at uh, COSAC Chiropractic this, this afternoon. And shameless plug, I slept on my neck wrong like Friday night. And it's mm-hmm. been sore for like two or three days. And and I mean, I went in and <clears throat> I'm feeling great. So again, another uh, just a great endorsement for Dr. Kevin and, and, and Dr. Heidi at COSAC Chiropractic. But then I get home and I was changing Tony. And the first two commercials that come on, is Joe Namath talking about how I need to check my Medicare benefits and make sure that's all lined up. And then that commercial gets over with, and it's Tom Selleck talking about reverse mortgage and how to have more money. So I'm a little worried that I'm starting to pay more attention to those commercials than I ever have before. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a little worried, Tony. I am. You They're know. targeting you. I, I think they are. I, 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 I think the, the, the chip... Uh, inside me here that was installed by the government at some point is is uh, finally keying off on some things here. So uh, Joe Namath, how was Selleck's mustache in the commercial? Yeah, you know the man, the the man is just an icon. Uh, coming from a guy that cannot grow any facial hair, um, you know Tom Selleck is is just he's still solid. I, I don't even know how old he is. Is he in his eighties yet? I'm not sure on that one. I just heard somebody say that. You know the whole Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift that Travis Kelsey had a better mustache than Taylor than, than Tom Selleck <laughs> and probably Taylor Swift too. My point being, um, I thought it was blasphemy. Yeah, uh, Tom Selleck is is seventy eight. And and speaking of Travis Kelsey, I did not realize his girlfriend was a singer as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just just. <laughs> Do you like that one? That was good. That was good. I threw that one out in class today, and I had some kids looking at me like, what are you talking about? Were you able to deliver it with a straight face? I did. I, I got it off with a straight face like I did with you. So, uh, That's impressive. Uh, you know, again, uh, I'm, I'm older now. I'm, 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 I've hit this significant birthday. I'm just, I'm, I'm changing. So, um, no, it was a great, it was a great weekend. My wife took care of me. We had a, we had a great time and, uh, went down to Nebraska practice and, and Michael went with me. So he got to see a bunch of people that he'd worked with the last three or four years. He was really excited about that. Got some good stuff from coach Hoiberg and the staff. Um, how did the Huskers look? Are you predicting a top tier finish in the big 10? You know, I don't know. Yeah, I haven't taken a deep dive. I, I think they're continuing to get better. Uh, now, they were missing two or three guys because of injuries and, and just precautionary stuff, nothing big. Uh, so it was hard to kind of see the big, the complete big picture. Uh, Jawan Gary uh, coming back from the shoulder. 
Uh, but, you know, they got Tomonaga back, who can obviously really, really shoot it. And, yeah, I, I you know, they're, they're doing a great job of building it one brick at a time. I can say that with a lot of confidence. Um, okay. And the, the team camaraderie, uh, the team chemistry is light years from where it was a few years ago. Uh, just you can see these guys really care about each other. And I think if, if you've got those things going for you, Tony, then I, I think that helps with, with a lot of stuff. You know, so that's my that's my thirty second recap there. Um, I I did a couple weeks ago. I haven't talked about this on the pod. I did go down and watch Creighton women practice. I put that on Twitter. Mm-hmm. They're going to be really good. I I really think they're a, a top fifteen type of team in the country this year. They've got five or six seniors that are going to play a lot. Um, it probably is Flan's most experienced team, and and if they stay healthy, uh, key players stay healthy. Um, I really think they have a chance to be a, uh, a three or four seed in the NCAA tournament this year. I think if, if they if they do what they're capable of, and you know you got to stay healthy, you got to catch a couple breaks along the way. But I think they got a chance to be really really good. So okay, that, so we've got the Blue Jays penciled into the Sweet Sixteen in March. <laughs> yeah, don't tell Flan I said that. Good good thing that we're not recording right now. Uh, but. Uh, now they, uh, you know, you know how it is, Tony. Who knows once you get in the tournament? But they got a chance to be really good. I will say that, and I, I think Nebraska is going to be better. I think they're going to be even better than they were last year. And I, I think they started really turning things around there in January and February. Um, you know, the top of the Big Ten is going to be really good with Michigan State and, and Purdue, and I think Indiana is going to be pretty good. But uh, I, they're going to they're going to be in the fight, and they're going to be throwing some punches. I do know that. How about that? So, okay, I like the new positive view. Why, thank you. I appreciate that, and uh, I'll remember that when I'm filling out my reverse mortgage, and I'll uh, <laughs> s- send you some extra money. So. <laughs> Thinking about Tom Selleck's mustache. We've gone six minutes, and we've literally not talked anything about basketball, so we should probably do that. Uh, episode right. 61. I've got three uniforms to, uh, for you, Tony. Um, two major league pitchers that came to the United States from foreign countries, and an offensive lineman. Let's go pitchers. Okay. Um, we have the Hernandez brothers, uh, El Duque, and then is it Livion or something like that? Either one of them happened to be 61. L- L- Levon Hernandez Levon, is one there of we them. Go. Yes. Yep, he is one. Uh, the other one, I believe, is from South Korea. Played for the no, Dodgers. Not you, Darvish. No, Dodgers. The um, Dodgers. South Korea. Kente Maeda? Chan Ho Park. Chan Ho Park. Yes. Duh, duh. yes. That was an easy one. Yeah. And then offensive lineman, I believe he was a guard, has uh, spent some time incarcerated since his career got over with. For trying Ooh. to smuggle a massive amount of marijuana. Let's go with Nate Newton. Nate Newton is who we are talking about, sir. So that is it. That is it. Uh, Two out of three ain't bad, Meatloaf. That's, that's true. I know my I know my incarcerated NFL players. <laughs> very very well done. So, episode sixty one: designing and executing a great practice. We t- we you know last week Tony and I talked about things that. Uh, you know, we should that that we are working on, and at the top of our list was designing practices. And we thought, well, heck, let's talk about putting together practices. Um, it's it's 
one of my favorite things to do as a coach. Uh, it it kind of helps balance out all the stuff that you don't like to do. And, and so, uh, Tony, I've got about, I probably wrote down more than I have ever written down for one of our podcasts here because I'm that passionate about practice design. Because again, I think it's one of those things that you really can control. And I think we start there. You know, you, you cannot, if you want to have a quality team and a quality program, you just can't throw practices together. You have to put significant thought into every practice that you put together. 100% agree with that. It's not something you can whimsically do. Um, and I've kind of developed a little bit of a, and I'm sure you're in the same boat, a little bit of a formula yep. in terms of it's not the same practice every time, but it's kind of the same practice progression, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of work through that a little bit. And then I always try to balance the stuff in terms of, you know, how much fundamentals, how much execution work and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I like to say there's a, a marrying of things there because why can't you stress fundamentals while you're executing your stuff, you know, being yep. in triple yep. threat, making sure you're seeing ball and man on defense. And so, yeah, I, I think there's there's kind of a, a balance to everything. I, I wouldn't say that it's the same for everybody, but just as, as what a style, uh, a formula that's worked for me. Yeah, I think that, you know, there, there's a lot of this stuff that is going to be a little bit redundant, you know, if, if you are a loyal listener, <clears throat> from my perspective. But I, I also try to throw in some different things. And, I'm, you know, every year you try to tweak your practice structure, I think, if you're doing it the right way. And I really like what we have set up for this year. Um I, I do agree with you, Tony, that there is a, a process, there is a progression. I love the word that you use there, progression. Um, I, I, I wanted to talk about, I guess, to start with from my perspective, just how I, I develop a practice. Uh, I basically kind of, you know, there's four steps to it. Uh, and we talked on the pod last week about having the big picture. And one of the things I said is I try to have every practice planned before our first game. Now that they're going to change. The second practice is going to be different on day two after we go through day one, but, but it's there. And, um, what I do is, like I said, there's four steps for that, for that, those 16, 17 days. Uh, number one thing I do, the first thing I do is create just an overall calendar of, of two things, two different calendars, uh, cultural implementation. What do we want to talk about when it, when we're talking about culture, um, and just, you know, emphasis for the season. So some of the things that are on there, you know, we talk about our attack philosophy. We talk about next play. We talk about roll call. Uh, we talk about our Don Meyer foxhole test. We talk about uh, pregame and halftime. And, and, you know, just those certain things that we know have to be part of, of practice of what we think are important. And then the other, the other overall calendar that I have is our X's and O's implementation. You know, I want to I want to have that to where we're putting in one or two things a day. We don't want to overwhelm them mentally, but we also want to stay on track so that when we get into that first varsity game, and and we've got two tough ones, uh, Friday night and Saturday afternoon. So we go bang bang twenty four less than twenty four hours. We we play two games, and they're against good quality programs. We got to be ready to go uh, from an X's and O's. Uh, perspective as much as we can be. So I have that uh, put up and and then I take that and then I've got a third sheet, which is what I call my rough draft practice. And it's got all of our drills on there. Every every drill that we're going to use this year, 
Um, I've got that, and it's just kind of circle. Okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. Uh, we haven't done this. We need to do this. Uh, we did this yesterday, so we don't need to do this type of thing today. Um, that's the second part. And then the third thing is I take all those circles, and I write them out on a yellow legal pad, and I kind of put it in order. Okay, this is going to be first. This is going to be second. I posted something on Twitter a week or so ago about, you know, out of this mess, we're going to have our first practice. And then the fourth thing is you take all of that and you put it all together and you type up that practice plan and hopefully it's ready to go. So uh, that's my big picture implementation. That's how I put together every single practice at the beginning of the year before we start our first game or into our first weekend there and how I think it through. So that's what I do. I don't know. What, what do you what do you do, Tony? Can I ask a few questions on yours before I get to, to mine real quick? Yeah, absolutely. When you were talking about like your cultural stuff and there seemed like there was a, you know, a few different items there, is that at the beginning or the end of practice or it just kind of varies in terms of what you do with that? Um, usually at the beginning. So, so practice number one, uh, let me get the sheet. I just had it out here. Uh, practice number one, we, we, you know, we have our attack, um, motto. So we talk about A and T and and we start out the year. The first three days are the same thing. A and T on the first day, then T and A, and then C and K on the third day. Uh, and and then we'll talk about, you know, moving on to the next play. If it's a good play, move on to the next play. If it's a bad play, move on to the next play. And we'll talk about that before practice. And then uh, one of the things that we're going to do this year as well before we start practice, and I got this from, I, it was a, I, I believe it was John Gordon. Uh, we are going to have... Uh, no, it wasn't John Gordon. It was somebody else. It was one of the books that I that I read. Uh, we're going to do a little sharing session. And so I'll start on the first day to kind of just say, okay, this is how we're going to do this. What is one peak that you have experienced? What are two things that if people knew you, they'd be surprised about you? And what are three goals that you have for your life? And we're going to take a couple of minutes before every practice and, and you know, we'll go through however many practices it takes to go through coaches, players, and managers so that everybody shares that. So again, it's just kind of a little window into the soul a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed when I've done those type of things, it seems like our teams are closer when we Mm -hmm. do that. Uh, We've done like hero hardship highlight, which is a John Gordon thing. Uh, it, It just seems like the years that we do that and we take those extra two or three minutes away from drill work and that, you know, those type of things, we're, we're better in the long run. We're closer in the long run. We're tougher in the long run as a group. And so we're going to, we're going to do that this year. So makes a lot of sense. Uh, just from the standpoint, you know, you're building trust with them and they get an opportunity to get to know each other and then also get to kind of open the window, so to speak to themselves. So they you know can truly be known by their teammates as well. And so that, that makes a lot of sense. We just do that. And the reason why I asked where you do it at is we, we do ours at the end of practice a lot of times mm-hmm. with that stuff. And I didn't know, you know, is it a preference thing? Does it work better in the beginning or what? So that was, it was kind of my related question on that one. But, um, I do very similar stuff uh, mm-hmm. to what you do. Uh, you know, we, I've got two weeks in of practices now, um, to a point now where we are, we have what we call the activity challenge, where if you do a service project, you can play a, it counts as a scrimmage, but it's basically a game. Mm-hmm. And so, um, we were planned out to that now, but I do very similar stuff where I have a calendar out. I count out how many until that first, what all I want to have in, 
Um, I've got a list of all of our drills. Mm -hmm. And then as I go through, I do a, a thing where, you know, I'll color code a little bit so that I know I did this one on Monday, yep. did this one on Tuesday, do another one on Wednesday. So it's not the same, you know, whether it's three on two, two on one, 11 man fast break, stuff like that. So I have that. So they're getting a little bit of variety as so we can work on the skills in a different format, not the same thing all the time. Um, but those are, are kind of the things that I, I open up a lot just in terms of, you know, okay, what do I got to get in by this date? And to be mm -hmm. honest with you, there are certain things you're not going to get in the whole package by that activity challenge. Yep. And so as you get ready to go to uh, the first game, what do we need to get in by the first game? Yep. And I think those are always interesting too. And then the other thing I, I was going to ask you about too, you mentioned uh, your warm up and halftime. Mm -hmm. Do you practice those? Do you have yes. those those types of things scheduled into your practice? Yep. Yeah. We practice. We practice our warm up. Uh, we practice our halftime procedures. We practice timeouts. Uh, mm -hmm. What we're gonna, you know, what should a thirty second timeout look like? What should a sixty second timeout look like? You know, and you know, year four, our kids, it'll be review instead of learning it uh, mm -hmm. for the most part. But we, that's a big part of the game. You know, you call a, a 60 second timeout with 32 seconds left in your first game and you're up or you're down one and you're trying to figure out what you're going to do. Those seconds matter. And yeah. so we want to be prepared for that uh, to the best of our. Does that mean we're automatically going to execute because we practice timeouts? No, but we've taken the time to account for it. And so we we practice. We practice that. Um and we and we talk about it because it's an important part of the game. We practice how you should react when a player comes out of the game. Um, how to you know what a good bench should look like. You know those type of things. We'll we'll put out the chairs for a day and we'll we'll go through those things because we believe that they're important. Mm -hmm. We do as well. We'll practice you know our warm up. Uh, we usually do that the day before our first scrimmage, um, and then we'll do it sporadically throughout the season um not not a ton but but if you, a couple times here and there um and then like you mentioned with timeouts you know we want to engage bench we want when they come off to a timeout we want them greeted by their teammates who are giving them encouragement and when we go into the huddle we want to make sure we get that half circle look going on and we want everybody to be you know in tune and not sitting there trying to make faces at those who are being coached during the timeout that's mm -hmm. that's not the proper behavior and it's not how we want to make the best use of our timeout and so those are things yes that we also go over and so i think those are, are important as well mm -hmm. coaches are absolutely loving are taking over a new program booklet as many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Tony, you talked about practice progression 
And you said you've kind of got a practice progression that you're really comfortable with, uh, that you, you know, you're not rigid to it, but it's kind of your, your, your base, your foundation. Uh, I've got my progression as well here. I'm just kind of curious. T- tell us a little bit about your progression and how you put yours together. One thing that was interesting, um, I had a, a, an assistant coach when I was in Harlan, Steve Brands, his name, he's the principal at Mount Vernon now. And uh, I used to find myself, I don't know, it's probably been a day or two, like a decade plus, being frustrated early in practice with teams not being ready to go. And we had a great conversation one time. He's like, Tony, they don't all the time have classes together with each other. So as you start practice, it might be the first time that day or the first time in a while they've seen that. You can schedule that stuff into practice and still get stuff out of it. So we started doing a dynamic or a plyometric warm-up that takes probably 8, 10 minutes, somewhere in that neighborhood. And while we start that, and that's usually the very first thing we do with practice, and there's a few other things we'll do to vary it so it's not the same rut all the time, but it gives them a chance to talk to each other a little bit, and it gets kind of the the giggles, the silliness out of it. And I have found that since I went to that, you know, over a decade ago, it has really, really helped the beginning of our practice. And then once we're done with that, we head into what I call the fast break shooting and conditioning side of things. I'm not a big believer in conditioning without a basketball in your hand. Um, You know, I think that's called track. And if they wanted to do that, they would (laughs) wait a few months and and do track or they would have come in from cross country. And so I just don't run to run without a purpose. And so we make sure we have a ball and we will do things, um, you know, that are timed and they have to have a certain speed to it. So they can't jog, you know, if if they don't get a goal, we might run touches or we might run a sprint, you know, you got to get it down and back in seven seconds. So it's not just the typical, I jog it down and back and doesn't really benefit anybody, but we'll do some of those things in there. And that's kind of like we go from the dynamic warm up into the fast break shooting. Cause I want to shoot when they're tired uh-huh. and then, you know, the, the conditioning side of it, which goes with the fast break stuff. And then after we're done with that, we go into like individual defensive work. Um, so we might do some one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three type of things defensively. Uh, we run a heavy switch defense, and so there's a lot of like situations you have to practice. And then once we're done with that, we'll get into our full-court defensive stuff. And so we go into what I call the press-press break time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can kind of kill two birds with one stone. And then after we flow out of that, we'll hit another round of shooting. Because, again, I'm a big believer in getting a lot of shots, and I want them to be – game type shots where they're shooting when they're tired full court type stuff and they're not always full court but but you know a a good number of them are and then we'll get into offensive execution stuff where we work on our offensive sets um and then we close things with what i call uh you know time and situation we're going to specific things uh that we'll work on i mean i know you talked earlier about you're down one with 32 seconds left we do that stuff. Uh, what play are we running? What defense are we running? We usually break them up into two competitive groups. My assistant coach will take a group. I'll take a group, and we'll walk through those those situations with them, and then we go out and we execute them. And the other thing I forgot to mention, too, uh, Chris Girls, who's my assistant coach, he and I very frequently uh, during the week will do post-perimeter work. Um, and so I want to empower him so he can, they can hear his voice and respect him. And he feels like he's, you know, very valued and he definitely is. And he's a really good coach. So I want to give him an opportunity. He's a really good post post coach. And so we take 10, 12 minutes, but that'll be put in there as well. 
Um, and then we'll do some pressure free throw stuff. And then, like I mentioned, um, I have a little thing at the end with them and we, we rotate stuff. We'll have like themes, like what you're talking about. Um, I'll do visits with them. Uh, that's another thing we've talked about in the past is that we want to make sure that, uh, you know, we talk about roles, we talk about where they are. It's not always, you know, the, the, the easiest conversations, but I would much yep. rather have a kind of an uncomfortable conversation for a handful of minutes yep. than to have a young person devastated because they never saw it coming, so yep. to speak. Um, and then I'll rotate some other things in there too. Uh, you know, we just go over, Hey, this is what time I need you to shoot around. Uh, this is what time I need you to dress in the locker room or whatever the case may be if we play the next night, but it's not always the same talk every night just so that that keeps it fresh earlier. Cause I like what you said about the fact that, you know, you don't want to overwhelm them, but I think oftentimes we don't appreciate and understand enough that because they're athletes and using a different part of their brain, uh, they're, they're, in my opinion, more intelligent than a regular student because of the fact that they're using a different part that if you're not an athlete and don't have some of that stuff that you may not be engaging that part of your brain in. Yeah. I I like a lot of that stuff. You know, it's um, interesting you talk about that pre-practice time. And, and if I had a nickel for every coach that asked me, well, you know, just some days we come in and we're not ready to practice right away and blah, 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 and this and that. And you know, I guess I've tried to short circuit that by just saying, look, as long as you're doing your shooting warm up and you're getting shots up, do whatever you want to do till three thirty five. But at three thirty five, you you're locked in. You're you're locked in. And and I really you know, the we get done at three ten, kids will start rolling in about three twenty, three twenty two ish. So Anywhere from twelve to thirteen minutes they'll have to get their to get their warm up to get stretched to do this and that, and I don't I do I, I do a little bit of coaching during that time, but for me it's also just check in time as as the head coach. You know how's everything going? How's your classes? How's algebra? You know how's your dorky history teacher? You know treating you? You know type of a thing, um, and and as long as they play hard and practice hard and step up to our standards after 335 i really don't do a lot i really don't say a lot now i make it very clear at 335 it's go time and you better be ready to go um and that's you know you're talking about how your dynamic warm-up has helped you with that that's something that i've kind of learned over the years that is that they need they need that decompression time i mean think about yourself uh, at the end of a school day, you kind of need that decompression time a little bit. You know, how often do you go in and change clothes in the in the coach's office and you take those extra couple of minutes just to kind of sit there a little bit, you know, and the kids are the same way. So I, I really like that, Tony. I think that's important for coaches uh, to know that if you want to have great practices, you've you've got to have that that space and time to kind of rearrange like you're talking about rearranging your brain a little bit shifting those gears but allowing for that decompression a little bit don't you think tony 100 percent um you know and i liked what you're talking about during that time you, you go around and you check in with them and that's like with our dynamic plyometric warm-up whatever you want to call it that's what i'm doing is yep. you know i'll tell them what i want you know uh you know whatever whatever stretch we're doing rdls or whatever and as they're going across the court I'll just kind of walk through and just really quick conversations with a couple of them at a time and in eight, 10, 12 minutes, I can get to 
over half, almost all of them in that time. And the next day I know where I was and I kind of work over to the other side and check in with them. But I, I just really think it's a valuable time that they can decompress. You can decompress and just have some small talk. And then when, when it's go time, you're through that and it's, it's, it's time to roll and it's time to go hard for two hours. Yep. Um, I like your progression. We hit a lot of the same things, but we kind of do it in a different order than you do. So let me run my progression by you and see what you think here, Tony. And for, for our listeners, it's great to hear kind of two two guys that think a lot alike, but do some things differently here, you know. So uh, like, like I said, first thing is pre-practice message and themes and whatever. We jump right into shooting as well, Tony. I think you said you jump right into shooting. Um, and then we get into... Uh, our what I call our system fundamentals. We're working on fundamentals, but they are drills geared specifically towards our offensive system, which is really motion based. So we're doing like, you know, ripping and and squaring up, uh, getting to the getting to the nail. We call it Manhattan. Uh, three on zero shooting, four on zero drops. You know, th- these are we have about eight or nine drills that we do over and over again to fit our our system, so to speak. Um, yeah. And then we go into if we need to implement anything or if we need to go offense five on zero that day, uh, that's when we go into that. So we're kind of going from offensive fundamentals to half-court offensive structure type of stuff and, and getting ready to go with that. And then we go into our our uh, our breaks system, our loyal. Basically, it's Loyola Marymount, get it out, you know, two runs the right side, three runs the left. We're going to work mm-hmm. on getting it out quick, our, what we call cycles. That's what Coach Power used to call them. We go free throws then, um, and then here's something we're going to do differently this year. For 15 minutes, I'm turning over the entire practice to my assistant coaches, and I'm uh, I'm calling it fundamentals and finishing. So it's it's just you know uh, box drills from Snow Valley, one on one finishing. You know like, you know just well as I do, Tony. You go you coach girls basketball a long time. Uh, making layups is so very important in girls basketball. So we're going to dedicate seven, eight, nine minutes every day to just making layups and finishing around the basket with pressure on ourselves. But my assistants are going to coach those that that 15-minute segment. I'm completely stepping back. Now, I'll structure it. I'll tell them what to do, but then I turn it over to them. Um, then we go into defense, individual defense, you know, closeouts, work on rebounding, shell drill. Then we'll get, we're, we'll get into our press work, which we do a lot of press work, and press work will lead into transition, like situation score. And then what we really try to do is uh, we try to have the last 20 minutes of practice all shooting and fundamentals again, Tony. Uh, my goal, and, and I was going to talk about you know what I think are keys to a great practice, uh, we want to get 250 shots up per player. That's, that's the goal every day in practice. And to really measure that the first couple of weeks, I'll tell a manager, okay, Riley, watch, uh, watch Anna. And just I want you to just keep slash marks. How many shots does she shoot once she steps into the gym? That counts the pre-practice warm-up to the time that she leaves. And hopefully, we are within that 250-shot mark on a fairly consistent basis. Uh, because one thing that you and I both learned from our mutual friend, Coach Finley, if you don't make the shot, it doesn't matter at the end. You can do all these other things, but if your kids can't shoot it, it doesn't matter. And, and definitely in my second time around, we have really committed to getting a lot more shooting done in practice. And so we try to, we want to wrap up with fundamentals. And those last 20 minutes this year, Tony, with three assistant coaches who are going to do a great job, I'm turning that whole segment over to them as well. And they're going to coach that. I'm going to walk around. I'm just going to kind of evaluate, take a look at things, 
talk to kids on the side, talk to them about practice. I, we know whatever comes up, and and then and then we'll break it down and get them out. You know, so that's what we're looking to do. So that's our progression. You know, I like that. Uh, there were a couple things. Um, you know, the part between fundamentals and execution. You know, it seems like yours is is pretty close to maybe fifty fifty. Would you, would you agree with that, or is it what percent are you are looking at there? Yeah, probably. You know, probably that. Um, you know, we try to, and, and again, you know, how about how about we talk about keys to a great practice, Tony? You know, and that'll kind of lead into that. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. You know what what I've done or what I did do is I bear I, I in my downtime in my sabbatical time I narrowed everything down to. Uh, yeah, I had I had too many drills, Tony. I had too much stuff. You know, just just too much clutter, and so it allowed me to strip it down to the studs. And basically, I made the decision, and I, I made a list of about eleven basic skills, eleven or twelve basic skills: passing, shooting, ball handling, closeouts, help defense, rebounding, screening, transition offense, defense, full court pressure, team five on zero or five on five, communication, or getting paint paint touches, whether that's off the bounce or post entries. And for us to have a drill in practice, it has to have at least three of those concepts. We very, very rarely ever do just a straight passing drill or just a straight ball handling drill. We'll do ball handling with cones where they've got to pass it to a coach and then they get it back and they've got to shoot it at the end of it or something like that. Uh, because, I, you know, I just found myself just like, we've only got so much time with these kids. We got to have at least three of those elements in everything that we do. And if we, the, the only time we violate that rule is when we do a shooting drill, because shooting is the most important thing, in my opinion. You got to be able to shoot the basketball. And great shooters can open up a lot of things for you. And so for us, when we're putting that together, those progressions, when we're putting together those fundamentals, whether it's system fundamentals or our implementation part of it, or when we're doing shell drill, we're, we're, it's, it's got to be, it's got to be at least three of those things every single time. And, and I think we've done a really good job of, of sticking to our guns with that as far as, you know, making sure that we, we keep it well-rounded within the drill, that it's a multi-purpose drill rather than an isolated skill drill, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's something that's very important because, you know, how often in the game do you just pass it? How often in the game do you just dribble yeah. it? You know, there's there's so much to be able to do that like we'll talk about starting things like making a cut and catching it and then off that catch getting yourself square and ready to attack you know one of the things that we talk about with our kids a lot you're never going to be more open than when you first catch the ball so when yep. you catch it you have to be ready to do something with it that might be an attack off the bounce that might be a catch and shoot that might be to feed a post kit or whatever the situation may be but you have to make sure when you catch it you're ready to do something with it and then we try to keep kind of the one and a half second rule you have a second and a half to do something with it if you don't have an opportunity to score it or to put it in a better situation then you need to move it mm -hmm. um what are some other you know what are some keys that you think uh i had about one two three four five i had about six things i, I touched on two of them uh the rule of three and the 250 shots i got four more things that i think are really important to a great practice tony keys to a great practice uh what are what are some other things that you really think are really important if you're gonna have a great practice what are things that you need to do 
you have to have competition every day. Um, You know, competition, it might be a shooting drill competition. It might be, um, you know, 2v2, 3v3. It might be five on five, whatever the case may be. But you have to have competition every day. And there needs to be a winner or a loser. And to be honest with you, that needs to be charted, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in terms of wins and losses and things like that. And then the other thing, you know, that that you kind of touched on earlier when you were talking about a certain number of shots being kept track of i think you also need to keep track of made shots um you know in drills whether you're shooting threes or whatever the case may be one or two dribble pull-ups or whatever but those things free throws those things need to be charted as well but there's got to be competition and then you know you have to have like in that competition it's stat it out with in terms of wins and losses and then stat it out in terms of made shots i think those are important to have in your competition And then the other thing that you have to have in there as well, I believe anyway, is you have to work on time and score every day. Um, You know, we have time and score just so they kind of understand what's going on. They get used to, you know, that phrase all the time, especially with the shot clock. Um, I think that's made it even more important as far as time and score goes. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you have to have that in there in terms of them working on situations. You know, not to pat myself on the back, but this summer uh, we were scrimmaging and uh, we were down and needed a last second shot. We have practiced our last second shot. And again, it's a new group. We had practiced in the summer. Our days came out executed it really really well got a wide open shot kid hit a three to win it Mm -hmm. um you know and again it wasn't a great play design just the fact that they kept their poise and they knew what to do and there was a plan and so like you were talking about earlier 32 seconds left you're down one and not that we would run last second shot with 32 seconds left but we would go to what they know and what they believe is their favorite set and that comes through having conversations with them what do you believe is the best set that you run if we had to get a stop what what defense should we be in? And so those are those are things I think that have to be involved as well as the whole time and score and competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, you hit the time and score thing, whether that's player versus player, team versus team. Players against the clock is another thing you can do. That's a competition. And, and so you got that clock rolling. So I had that, Tony. I had three other things. Quick corrections. Uh, we call it, I got this from Patino, seven-second corrections. Uh, especially when you're going three-on-three, four-on-four, five-on-five. If you can't make that correction in in less than in seven seconds or less, then take that player off so you can keep the drill going. You don't want a, you don't want a big old diatribe going out there while your players are expecting to play. Uh, another thing, uh, quick drills and and repetitions. Uh, you know, don't do a drill for. 17 minutes on on footwork i mean that you're gonna lose them it's it's the tiktok and youtube generation you're gonna lose their attention uh so run a lot of quick hitting drills and maybe if you want to if you want to run the drill for four minutes and then do this drill for six minutes and then come back to this drill for another four minutes and you want to get those eight minutes in on rebounding that day then do it like that instead of one 15 minute rebounding drill or whatever it may be um and then the last thing I had, Tony, uh, for, and again, this is just a Marty Plum thing. All your drills should involve the basket because that's where you're going, right? You know, I mean, you're going, you're going to the basket. You're either going to the basket or you're defending the basket. And I think that it's really, really important that everything you do involves 
the basket, whether it's offense or defense or special teams, because you have to, that's that's the overall goal. When you have the ball, you're trying to get to the basket. When you don't have the ball, you're trying to, to keep them away from the basket. And if you're doing a bunch of stuff that really doesn't have anything to do with the basket, in my opinion, with the limited amount of time that we have with our players, I think you're wasting time. And, and that, again, that's just my opinion, but that's that's another thing that I believe in. So. I liked what you talked about. You know, I've heard this before. I think it was Tony Pappas, a uh, longtime girls coach up in Waterloo, who talked about teaching in sound bites, mm-hmm. not paragraphs. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. And then I have a rule, kind of like what you were talking about. The longest drill I will ever run is 10 minutes. Yep. That is the longest I will do. Now, we might do, you know, three, four-minute scrimmages, but we're going to break them up. It's it's ne- it's never going to be a deal where we're going to go and, and scrimmage for 15, 20 minutes. That's just, we're going to break them up into different things and practice different things. Some other things that I also emphasize within my practice, everything is tempo. Like everything is, we try to do everything at a game speed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think you can practice slow practice slow and expect to play fast i don't think that happens and so we want to we want to make sure that we have tempo we want it to be uh in 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 weird situations like we're going to put ourselves at a disadvantage and have to scramble a lot because that's basketball you know you're going to get broken down off the bounce you're going to get uh split in a trap you're going to get your press broke and you've got to be able to scramble and have a rhyme and a reason to what you do like we'll talk about in our press if we get beat who goes where uh, as fast as they can and and what we're trying to do we usually have somebody trying to chase them down from behind we have somebody in front of them trying to uh, step at them trying to jab at them if you will to get them to slow up and then go back we have somebody sprint to the back side but yeah we have we practice those and I, I think that's another thing is that you want to practice a, the situations pretty much practice everything that you're going to do um we'll practice miss free throws you know where we're yeah. down by two and we got one free throw um we'll practice a miss free throw uh, we have a miss free throw play but you've got to practice all these different situations i just don't know how you know, when you get in those situations and a kid doesn't execute something, how can you be mad at them if you've never practiced it? Yep. And so that's something where I want to make sure that we're prepared at all times. Now, let's let's go down this rabbit hole, Tony. Uh, we're kind of talking about regular practice, and I know it's a little bit different now that you're at the sophomore level, but how much different was your practice like the day before a game when you were, you know, scout heavy, when you were a head coach and you're watching a lot of film on your opponents at, at the varsity level, how much, how much different? Cause I, I think there's two types of practices that we have. I think you have kind of regular practice and then I think you have the day before a game practice. Uh, I think those are basically the two types of practices we have as basketball coaches. How much different and, and how did you change the structure of your practices uh, in those situations? It's still really similar, to be honest with you. Um, You know, I still watch a decent amount of film. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you I watched the same amount that I did. Uh But I still watch a a decent amount of film um, because of the fact that, you know, our league is is, is really tough. And so you have to be prepared and you've got to put in your time. Uh, And we have the same huddle rules, the sophomore level that they do at the varsity level. Um, It's probably 80 to 85%, I would say, the same as what it was. I try to maybe not not put as much into like individual player breakdown. You know, I don't have as much stats as what I did yeah. when I was a varsity coach. 
Um, you know, they shoot 85% from the free throw line and yep. blah, blah, blah. I don't get into that as much as what I did, but it's still pretty similar. And then the, the night before a game, you know, well, it, it's, it's a little bit different practice, like you said. But for my guys, what I really try to do, and again, I think this kind of goes back to what you were talking about with the TikTok, you know, maybe less attention span generation, is we really get – when school's out and we have a game that day, we'll have a shoot around. And that's where I kind of hammer it a little bit more and shoot around. Um, you know, just kind of review a little bit of what we talked about the night before, but that's where I maybe make up not going into the depth the night before practice. I'll do it a little bit more on the shoot around day with them. We're just kind of reviewing it and going a little bit deeper maybe than what we did the night before. Yeah. We, uh, we, we do change it, uh, a bit, uh, we don't we don't do the day game you know like if we have a game on a Thursday uh, we don't do anything after school we we take care of everything the day before uh, okay. so and, and we're gonna do some things a little bit differently again this year um, we start out in my classroom uh, and they have to be there a little bit sooner like three twenty three twenty five they've got to be down there uh, so basically when they're expected in the gym now they're expected in the classroom um, mm-hmm. I will go over the scouting report, and I scout all of our teams that, that we play. Uh, this year, what I'm going to do differently is I'm going to, I have three assistant coaches this year. And so each coach is going to have about seven teams and they're going to reinforce the scout, if you will. All right, Michael, what do you think of Fremont Bergen here? Uh, let's watch, you know, you watch some film, I'll watch some film. Let's talk about it. You know, do you, are you seeing anything that I'm not seeing? So forth and so on. Um, so I'll go through and I'll deliver the scout. And then one of the things that I've wanted to do a better job of that, that I haven't done as good a job as I would have liked is to do more cut-ups on huddle and film. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm going to have my assistant coaches do after we kind of, you know, we've, we've got the the scout ready to go is they're going to be responsible for 10 or 12 clips of, you know, and they're going to lead that, and that's going to give them an opportunity to lead in front of the team as well. So, all right, Michael, go through these ten clips on Fremont Bergen. What do we got? You know, um, and then we're going to go from the classroom. I, and I've talked about this before. I got this from Coach McDermott. Go from the for, from the classroom, and after we've talked about the the scout, and after we've seen the scout on film and the key things, we go right into and we walk. We literally put our binders down. And we walk through the base offense and set plays that they're going to run against us. This is what this is, you know, this is Denver for them. And it's going to look like this. This guy's going to come off here. It's a double stagger away. What, you know, whatever it may be. And, and so we're taking it, we go from verbal to visual to walking it through all in the span of about 20 to 25 minutes or so, Tony, on those mm-hmm. really, really key points. Then we go into practice. Um, then we go into practice. Our shell drill that day will deal a lot with our scout. Okay, here's number 12. We can't let her shoot. Don't don't let Becky shoot here because she's number 12 from, from Bergen. We can't let her shoot or whatever it may be. And then we go through everything, and then we wrap up practice. We go through special situations. Here's their baseline out-of-bounds place. Here's their sideline out-of-bounds place. Here's you know other things that, that we may need to worry about, and then we kind of wrap it all up there. So... Um, we that's kind of how we handle our day before our what we call our scout practice 
Um, so th- again, and our kids know what to expect now. Year four, they know what to expect. They know it's coming. They know how we're going to do it. We are going to add that little wrinkle in of having the assistants lead the video clips uh, to, to put a little more onus on them. They're, they're ready for it. I, I really feel like we've got three really good assistant coaches that are ready to, to lead in that way. And that takes a little bit off of my plate so I can concentrate on some other things as well. So, um, so that's, that's what we're doing this year. Now with their, their clips, are they in the huddle too? And then you have the entire scout films in there as well, or, how does your video section work in terms of what they have access to? Uh, players? I think I have to open it up for them somehow, some way. I can't remember. It's been, it's been nine months since I've worked on that part of it, Tony. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I think there's some way we could email it to them or as well. Um, I'll have to, I'll have to look that up. Thanks. That's another thing that you reminded me of huddle clips. All right. I'm going to write that down and make sure we got that ready to go as well. Huddle clips for players. There we go. See, learned something today. Reminded me of something today, Tony. Thank you, sir. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. I know as you're getting more seasoned and experienced, I've got to be that, that, that you know small voice that gives you reminders. Yeah, yeah. Remind me to fill out my Medicare paperwork like Joe <laughs> Namath told me to as well. And your reverse mortgage. <laughs> Want to know more about a pen and a napkin? and all the resources it offers, go to appendantandnapkin.com, a great resource for any coach at any level. In addition to our Appendant and Napkin University video library options that are available to order, we have hundreds of pages of notes, from one-page handouts to book breakdowns to original coaching notes. We also have coaching links, a full catalog of every Appendant and Napkin podcast, and ways to contribute to the growth of Appendant and Napkin. Appendantandnapkin.com is a coaching resource that will help you become a better coach. Speaking of reverse mortgages, you know who is probably by now qualified for a reverse mortgage, Tony? Europe. Have I told you that I, I have that in my iTunes account or whatever? And I usually just put it on shuffle and, and whatever pops up, pops up. But when that song comes on, I could I, I just start laughing when it when it pops up on my shuffle. <laughs> and you should. Yeah, it's good stuff. So trivia this week. Tony, I believe it's my turn to throw out the trivia question, correct? Yep, I'm ready to get another one wrong. Well, you got a chance. So, you, all right, Lloyd Christmas, you got a chance here. All got right, a you got a chance. So you're there's telling chance, me there's a chance. <laughs> what was all that one in a million talk? So, all right, the NBA season. We are actually recording this on Monday, and the NBA season is opening tomorrow night. Tony, the Denver Nuggets are the defending NBA champions. Last season was their first appearance in the NBA Finals. And their first NBA championship. Tony, out of 30 teams in the NBA, how many teams have never won a championship? And a follow-up, how many teams have never been to the NBA Finals? Uh, We have 30 teams. I'm going to say 
15 of them have never won a title. That is incorrect. You are too high. Too high? Yep. Hmm. Now, you got to remember, these are franchises. So, like, yeah. for example, the Kansas City Kings used to be the Cincinnati, Sorry. used to be the Cincinnati Royals, used to be the Rochester Royal, and they won an NBA championship back in, like, 1955 or, you know, something like that. So, technically, they have won an NBA championship, just not as the current incarnation of the Sacramento Kings. So, that's the way I looked at this. So Okay. Let's go 12, then. 12 is incorrect. Uh, too high. Yeah. All right. 10. Ding, 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 ding. 10 NBA franchises. So one-third of the NBA have never won an NBA championship. Very good, my friend. How many of those 10 have never been to the finals? I'll give you two guesses. Seven. That is incorrect. Too high. Okay. How about four? That is incorrect. You are too low. I heard you going five. 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 So. I was going to say five. All right. So the five franchises that have been to the finals. Do you want to try and crack that? Five franchises that have been to a finals but have never won a championship. (laughs) No clue. Brooklyn. Okay. Indiana. Mm-hmm. Orlando, Phoenix, and Utah. They've okay. they've all been to the finals, but never won a championship. Never won. The five franchises that have never been to the finals: Charlotte, the Clippers, Memphis, Minnesota, and New Orleans. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. You want my controversial take of the day on New Orleans? I'm I'm ready. Let's go Memphis instead. I want to go Memphis instead. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. Not going to make the playoffs. You know, uh, that brings us to... How about that? And we very easily could see that Stephen Adams out for the year. Uh, We just found out in the last 24 hours. Going to have surgery. Jaw out for 25 games. Did you read the article on Jaw Morant on ESPN, Tony? Yeah, I read that. That's crazy how he went in as kind of a straight arrow, so to speak. Yeah. And then uh, it just has gotten progressively and more progressively worse. And, you know, there's some some big signs there. Um, they tried to rein him in, couldn't. Um, and it'll be interesting to see because there seems like there's maybe some softening of the heart there and maybe some, some you know, wanting to be reconciled and not just sorry that he got caught, but genuinely sorry. And hopefully uh, Marcus Smart and uh, D. Rose can take him under their wings so he doesn't learn the hard lessons that Allen Iverson and Stevie Francis did. Yeah, I thought those were really interesting comparisons um, and very similar type of players, very simple, similar type of builds with those mm-hmm. type of players. Uh, and, you know, Iver- Iverson was a legend before he even, you know, before the, you know, even pre-internet people knew about Allen Iverson's, uh, we'll call it social habits, uh, his ability to stay up for like 72 hours straight or whatever, you know. Um, it, it is, uh, all joking aside, it is a a very uh, scary story or, or a sad story. Uh, kind of a almost like a, a child actor type of story. Too mm-hmm. much, too fast, too soon. And and I hope and, and they they kind of talked about how one of his influences 
that has actually kind of hurt him is actually his father. His father kind yeah. of, you know, is is embraced the NBA lifestyle as much as his son has. And, you know, I, I think there comes a point where, and I'm not saying that obviously his, his father is his father, but I think he's also surrounded himself with some other people that have not helped in his decision-making process either. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, we as high school coaches, I think those are conversations that we need to be willing to have with some of our players. If we, if we hear enough stuff, I, I think those are tough conversations. And the, and the, and the Grizzlies tried to have those conversations with Ja. He, he really blew them off. And, and, but then, like you said, he got caught again with the, with the gun, but there was a bunch of other things that had happened, uh, over the last year or so. And you hope that this is the, the this 25 game suspension is the thing that kind of scares him straight. I, I think what they say, he's going to lose almost $8 million in this 25 game suspension. And, you know, young person, we all made a lot of mistakes when we were younger. Lord knows I did. And you just hope that, just hope that he figures it out. You really do. Yeah. Before it's too late. Yep. Um, how about James Harden, Tony? You know, I don't, there's one I have hope that Ja can figure it out. I don't. I don't give this guy uh, the opportunity to, to, to as much hope. Um, and I'm gonna make, when we get ready to do our predictions here, I'm gonna make a statement that may seem contradictory there, but um, I, I don't have as much hope that this cat's gonna figure it out because it seems like whether it's been Houston, whether it's been Brooklyn, or whether it's now in Philly, it seems to be kind of an ongoing pattern for a guy who's who's in the twilight of his career. Yeah. The the hardest thing to coach in professional sports is the fading superstar. You know, the, the guy, there there's a lot more James Hardens and Allen Iversons than there are Tim Duncans, you know, who, sure. who gracefully accept their diminished role, uh, uh, the 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 further you get away from Tim Duncan's career, I hope people have more of an appreciation of the type of player and more importantly the type of teammate he was for those great Spurs teams. And it was never late to anything. No, nope. Always on the first bus. Always the guy that looked after everybody else. And he's probably the greatest power forward of all time. And he acted like he was the 12th guy on the bench, you know, and that's how you win five championships in, in, in a small market like San Antonio is with that type of, with that type of player and that type of person as well. So coaches, you know, just as well as I do that we're always looking for new and different ways to motivate our players and programs, but sometimes it's hard to find that perfect source that we're looking for. Over the past 25 years, I've collected hundreds of handouts to help motivate my players and programs, and now I'd like to share some of my favorites with you. The A Pen and a Napkin 101 Best Handouts Booklet is now available to you for only $15. In this booklet, you'll find motivational material for all types of situations and individuals to help you communicate your values to your players and program. For ordering information, you can either DM me on Twitter or email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com for details. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm so tired of the Harden thing. I don't even know why I put yeah. it on the list, but um, I just you just get over yourself, in my opinion. You know, get over yourself. Um, you, you signed a contract. You agreed to opt in. 
you agreed to play this year, go out, play. You know, Scottie Pippen didn't like his contract with the Bulls, but he went out and played every year. Uh, except for the last year, the last dance, you know, he kind of controversially, I think he had like ankle surgery or something like that. And he put that off till right before the season and he missed like 35 games or something. Um, but play and, and do your job so that you can then go to where you want to go. Uh, that's the only way you're going to get there because that's the only way it's going to happen. And, you know, I'll be interested to see. I, I think I've got an idea of what you might be saying, Tony. I'll be curious with what you have to say here. Uh, so let's let's dive into it. Let's dive into the NBA Pacific Division. Um, you know, we talked about the Atlantic Division maybe being the best division, and then it's like, oh, crap. The NBA Pacific m- probably is the best division in basketball this year, at least at the start of division. And these five teams are really going to beat each other up. And there's five quality teams uh i'm gonna make a bold prediction tony these five teams might be within the top six in the western conference playoffs i i know that sounds crazy and and, and i know that's not the way it works because the division winner automatically gets in um into the uh you know the top six so one of these teams is going to be in the play-in uh more than likely but you could see of the of the teams in the Western conference, five of the six best teams at the end of the year, you know, all things being equal might come out of this, this particular division. I think Denver is the only team that you look at and go, yeah, they're way better than, uh, these teams are, they're on equal footing with them. So that's kind of one of my hot takes coming into this prediction segment. So, um, who'd you have for fifth in the division, Tony? The LA Clippers. And when you take a look at the whole Harden thing, people keep talking about L.A. is the only team that wants Harden and that they're not willing to sweeten their package because of the fact that they would be negotiating against themselves. Here's the deal. I think with the moves that a lot of the teams in that division have made, whether it's Golden State, the Lakers, Phoenix, whatever the case may be, um, they've major upgraded. I don't think L.A. has. Uh, the Clippers, that is. Yep. And so I think they need Harden about as much as Harden needs them. And so I think in the trade, that's why Philadelphia is holding on like they have because Philadelphia is not in a position of weakness here. Philadelphia, if they keep holding that chip and L.A. doesn't get off to the start they can get to, I think they can get the Clippers to sweeten that trade package. Agreed. On the fifth place finish, agreed that, you know, I hate to say it because I really think Kawhi Leonard is absolutely awesome as a basketball player. I think Paul George is really, really good as a basketball player. And through, you know, to a degree, no fault of their own, they have just missed too much time to put a whole lot of faith in them until they kind of show us that they deserve more credit than, than what they've had there in Los Angeles. So I, too, had the Clippers fifth in the division but they very well and again it depends on how much these five teams kind of beat up on each other record wise uh but you know i could see the clippers being in fifth place and being at 41 and 41 or 42 and 40 and and being kind of in right in the middle of this especially if if Kawhi and paul george stay healthy all season and again that's a massive if um that's a heck of a fifth place team 
to to have in your division there. So, uh, but I did have the Clippers fifth as well, Tony. So, um, do you think the Clippers will trade for Harden? I think eventually they're going to. Um, I just think they need that piece. Um, you know, Russ obviously played better once he went there last year after the whole buyout stuff and different things. But I think they're going to sweeten the trade package. And you know, I look at if I'm the if I'm Philadelphia, you know, Terrence Mann is who they're kind of offering. Um, is in some picks, is that enough, or would Bones Highland be a better addition there? Um, but Bones Highland has some <laughs> temperamental issues as well, and so maybe you trade one head- headache for another headache. I don't, I don't know, but I think eventually the deal, because Harden is is a, is a cancer, and I feel like they just need to move on, because if they don't, I really think it's going to affect Maxi's development in Philadelphia. Yep. And the other thing that you know you're beginning to hear rumblings of is Embiid is is talking about wanting out because of the yeah know the farce that it's becoming yeah yeah agreed i i I think they're gonna have to make a a move sooner rather than later um i think Embiid, as a peak player has more yesterdays than tomorrow's in him and and the clock is ticking and and it's you could tell it's important for him to win a championship as the best player on a on a team and he would love to do it in philly but right now you know he's he's just he's just had to deal with a whole lot of stuff without a doubt so um, I had Sacramento fourth, Tony. I did as well. Okay. Um, I know they were the darlings last year. Mm-hmm. It seemed like everything went right for them. Um, you know, and you and I have been around the game long enough to know that it doesn't go perfectly for you every year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they, they, uh, kept the pieces that they needed to keep. Yep. But at the same time, I thought they could have upgraded the Harrison Barnes spot. And don't get me wrong, I think Harrison Barnes is a nice professional basketball player. But in terms of what they needed in the division that they're in, I just thought they needed to maybe make an upgrade there. And they did not do that. So I would say I would also put them in in the four spot. Okay. I had them there as well. Uh, I think they kind of caught a little bit of lightning in the bottle. I think Mike Brown did a great job. Um, I think that they were really, really healthy last year as well. I, I think they had the least amount of games missed by any team. And I think they kind of, you know, Golden State had a messed up season internally. The Lakers were a hot mess at the beginning of the year. The Clippers were beat up. Uh, and and I think that they, um, they, and again, rightfully so, I think they took advantage of it. I think it's kind of one of those years where the Kings could be better this year but not have as good a record, you know, uh, it, 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 it doesn't, you know, I, I think they went, I think they won 48 or 49 games last year. I could see them winning. I could see them being a better team. Like you watch them play and you're like, they're better than they were last year, but they only win 42 or 43 games. Um, just because I think some teams around them have upgraded as well. So, um, but I like their team. I like their core. They're really young. You know, Fox is only 25, 26. Keegan Murray is 23. Sabonis is not very old. Malik Monk is a great scorer off the bench. Uh, I haven't seen the Vezenkov or whatever, the, the EuroLeague MVP play yet. Uh, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he fits in. I, I do think you're right, Tony. I think they have a couple of pieces with Kevin Herter and Harrison Barnes that they could possibly upgrade. But, you know... 
why rock the boat too much when you've had success for the first time in 20 years as well. So I see, I see why they, uh, I see why they did what they did not do basically in the off season, which was, which was to overturn the apple cart too much. So, um, who'd you have in third? I went golden state. And the reason why I went golden state, it's an older team. And I don't think that Steve Kerr is going to crack the whip on them during the regular season. Um, as hard and so i would say i I think that's why they're going to be in that third spot i had phoenix in the third spot um because they're just really old and they're 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 really top heavy and if you know durant has not played a lot the last few years uh, i'm going to try and do a quick look here uh but he hasn't played more than 70 games in probably four or five years at least uh, since his Golden State days for sure because he missed the whole year with his uh, with his Achilles after he tore his Achilles in the finals and you know last year he played in 47 games um, let me see what we got here for a career uh, last year he played in in 47 55. 35 set out a year it was his last year in golden state where he played 78 games that was the last time that he has played in more than 70 games so it's been five full seasons since he's done that tony and they're not gonna if if kevin if those three and those three are awesome booker is i love i love devin booker he's awesome i think bradley beal's a great third guy i think kevin durant is absolutely awesome but they need all three of those guys to play a lot of games to win this division. And I just don't see Bradley Beal has missed a lot of time as well. Uh, it's been it's been four or five years since he has played uh, more than 70 games. So I, I just don't see this team being healthy enough. Now, does that mean I, they could go through all this and still win the championship? I, I could see them win, you know, being third in their division and still winning the championship. Um, yeah, it's been since 2018, 2019. He played in all 82 that year. Then it's been 57, 60, 40, and 50 in the last four years. So he's missed almost as much time as he's played. That's Beal. Um, and and I, I just I I think this division and this conference is so balanced that I just worry about their health. So that's why I picked them third. Fair. Um, with with Phoenix, I thought that. With getting Grayson Allen and then uh, what they did with switching out Aiton for Nurkic and stuff and then getting Nasir Little, I think they upgraded their depth quite a bit. Like what they did to fill in around those big three, mm-hmm. I was really, really impressed with. And so um, I, I think that they're going to be able to eat some of those regular season minutes up that you were talking about. Yeah. But there is going to be an extremely high usage rate needed by the big three in Phoenix. I, I would agree with that statement. Okay. Uh, you said you had Golden State third. Yep, I went Golden State third. Okay, I had Golden State second. Um, I think they're going to be out. I, I think that was probably one of the most. I don't, you know, it, it was a really weird year for them. Uh, we know about the punch with Draymond, and I'm, you know, Draymond should have never do, have done what he did. Uh, but just just everything was just weird all year. They were coming off the championship. Uh, Kerr has mentioned that they were just kind of emotionally drained coming off the championship, and um, 
Andrew Wiggins missed a ton of games last year for some personal issues. Uh, Clay Thompson, the longer he plays, I think the better he'll be. Um, Looney is solid as a rock. They'll have Gary Payton for the full season. Kaminga, kind of expect him to make a leap. And then, you know, kind of the the potential issue that you see with, with Golden State is a great problem to have. You have a Hall of Fame point guard. Will he be willing to eventually come off the bench? Because I don't see any scenario that is going to work for them without Chris Paul coming off the bench and playing 20 to 22 minutes, kind of Bill Walton 1985-86 Celtics type of stuff, where he's going to have to take a little shot to the ego here to fit in with what potentially could be a really, really good team. And I think they're going to come back with a chip on their shoulder, Tony. I think they know that they've only got one or two big cracks at this. And I think that, uh, I I think they're just going to be a lot better this year. And I think they're going to be a a hair's breadth away from taking the division away from the Lakers, in my opinion. So. Okay. I went with the Lakers in the second spot. Okay. Um, that's who I had there. I love the moves they've made. I feel like they're a deeper team. I feel like they have better pieces around LeBron. Um, but at the same time, I don't want to drink the Kool-Aid and go those last 26 games of the regular season and the playoffs were, you know, what it's going to be. And, and I go back to the fact that they got, uh, you know, as far as the Lakers went, they got some favorable things that happened for them in the playoffs. They got a tired Golden State team. I thought yep. that Sacramento took a lot out of them. Um, you know, and the Lakers kind of struck while it was hot. I'm trying to remember who their first round opponent was in the playoffs Memphis. last year. Memphis. Was that, yeah, Memphis had the whole thing with Dylan Brooks imploding that team and then and, and the Ja Morant stuff with his injuries. Um, and so I felt like they got benefits there. And then you find yourself in the conference finals. And I mean, granted, there were some close games there, but when it all comes down to being said and done, they got swept. Yeah. And so uh, that's why I would say that why I have them in, in the second spot in the in the Pacific rather than winning the whole thing. So you had Phoenix first then? I did have Phoenix first. Um that's I don't know if I'm you know, maybe drinking the Kool-Aid on them and ignoring some of the warts and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh but I just I really think with Beal, Booker and and Durant and then I like the Nurkic trade, like I said, Grayson Allen's gonna be a really good player for them off the bench. Um, and then you go through, I like them this year, a little pickup. Uh, there's some other, other pieces in there as well. My, my concern comes down to, you know, in their moves, uh, they, they got rid of Chris Paul and they got rid of Cameron Payne. Yep. And so they need a backup point guard, uh, somewhere. And I don't know how they're going to get that or, or what the plan is for that, but that's the, the part that concerns me uh, a little bit with Phoenix. But I, I think Phoenix is all in. I think they put their, all their chips in the middle of the table and they're going for the whole shebang. Yep. Um, you know, LeBron year 21, uh, the question comes up, how, how much longer can he do this? Uh, will Anthony Davis stay healthy? I kind of did the Finkel and Einhorn here on uh, Golden State and L.A. You know, Finkel and Einhorn, Finkel and Einhorn, Einhorn and Finkel, Einhorn and Finkel. Uh, if you understand that reference, God bless you. You you are a deserved listener to a, a listener to a pen and a napkin. Uh, and, and I could have gone Golden State one uh, as well. Uh, but I, I I think Austin Reeves is going to take another step this year. I really like like the Rui Hachimura signing, the Gabe Vincent signing. Um, I, I think those are two guys that are, are going to, to have really nice years. 
Um, and, and, but it, for them, it comes down to LeBron and AD. And if those two guys are healthy and they're playing, and, and LeBron isn't the LeBron of Miami or even of Cleveland anymore. He just doesn't have that athletic pop, pop nor, nor should he. Um, he's not Tony Viss. He's LeBron James. Uh, way more athletic. Yeah, way more athletic. little small toe. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I just, uh, you know, I, I gave them the edge. I kind of like the the way the lock, the Lakers filled out their roster more than Phoenix did, but I, I think any one of those three um, could very along with Denver. I think those are probably the top four teams in the conference, and you know Denver, L.A., Phoenix, and Golden State. Only two of those teams can make the conference finals, and only one of them can make the finals, and so. Um, you know, two of these franchises are going to be really, really, really disappointed because they're not going to be in the conference finals. And one of those, those franchises is going to be a little less disappointed, but nonetheless disappointed that they're not in the NBA finals. Whereas I think the East is two top dogs with Milwaukee and, and Boston, and then, uh, kind of everybody else, there's a pretty significant gap between two and three. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting. I think those are probably the top six teams. Don't you think, Tony? I think they're in in the conversations. I really like Oklahoma City a lot, mm-hmm. and depending upon Zion and his availability, uh, I think the Pelicans could be a surprise team out west as well. But again, those are some big ifs. Yep. Um, real quick here, Tony, not planned, but breaking news. Now, by the time people hear this, they will have heard about it. Giannis Antetokounmpo, Tony, will be buying us Arby's for quite a while here. He might be able to buy a franchise even. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sixty-two million a year. That's not bad. Yeah, that's not bad. That's almost uh, that's that's right there with Cedar Rapids Public School uh, educators, right there. So it's comparable. <laughs> yeah, um, he would have been eligible if he'd have waited till next offseason for year two hundred and thirty-four million dollar uh, extension, but he decided to. He had three years left on his contract. He extended out to twenty-six, twenty-seven. So he basically tacked on about two years with a player option for 27-28. So um, I, I think he's excited to have Dame Lillard as a teammate here. I'm, I'm guessing that had a lot to do with it. Um, and uh, looks like uh, no one will be, uh, you know, the plans of a, of a Miami or a New York to bring in Giannis to their city are once again thwarted by his loyalty to the city of Milwaukee and, and what the Bucks have done. To, to surround him, what he feels to be the best supporting cast that they could possibly put together. Yeah, and, you know, that goes back to what he was stating. He was stating that, you know, if you can upgrade the roster, I'll be loyal to you, uh, you know, and then they go out and they get Dame, and obviously that, that spoke to him a lot, and so he put his, his signature where his mouth is and signed on to be with the Bucks for the next several years. Yep, yep. Tony, great stuff as always. Uh you know, practice planning again. It's to me. This is one of the big things that you can really control as a coach. I'm I'm very passionate about it. If if you uh, want to know anything, if if you want a copy of our practice plans and stuff, some of the stuff that I've put together, some of the forms that I have, uh, you know, feel free to reach out to me either on Twitter or uh, via email, napkin at gmail dot com. Uh, you know, Tony, I'm sure you'd probably be willing to do the same, wouldn't you? Most definitely. Um, you know, and I think one of the things that, you know, we were we didn't maybe touch on earlier, but I'm sure we're both very passionate about is the fact that you want to have as many 
players involved in terms of doing things, you know, as, as possible. And obviously that depends upon, you know, the size of your gym, number of assistant coaches and stuff like that, but just making sure everybody's involved in, in doing something as much as possible. And there's not 10, 15, 20 guys on the sideline, you know, twiddling their thumbs type of thing. Yep. Yep. So a lot of really, really good stuff covered here today. I knew this would be a long one, uh, because like I said, I'm really passionate about it, putting it together. We were going to have a great talk about the, the, Pacific Division. I think we set a new record, Tony. This is the this is the water world of our podcast here. This is the longest one we've ever done. Uh, we've talked about practice. We've talked about Giannis. We've talked about NBA champions. We've talked about uh, Travis Kelsey's girlfriend, who again I'm stunned. She's she's a singer. I never knew. Um, we've talked about Tom Selleck's mustache. Uh, I mean, goodness gracious sakes alive, there's not much more that we could possibly cover in one podcast. So we're just going to leave it there. We're just going to leave it there. Episode 61, Designing and Executing a Great Practice. Like we said, if, if you need anything, if you want any of our stuff, feel free to reach out to us. We'll be more than willing to help you guys out, the guys, the guys and gals out uh, with whatever you need. So, coaches, as always, let's be sure to own our craft one day 